If you didn't know, I love America, I am super patriotic, and I love that our nation was founded on the Bible, was founded on godly principles. There are godly men who formed our government. And so um, I'm looking forward to, I feel like I, I went to school, I, I, I did American history several times, I, know, I feel like I know a lot, but I watched a couple of these videos and I said, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. And so I'm excited that I'm, I'm getting ready to learn and actually figure out how that applies to my current day situation. History repeats itself, right? And there's things that we need to do as the church, just like 200 plus years ago, the church formed this nation. The church needs to be involved in government, needs to be involved in shaping nations, right? That's what Jesus had the Great Commission, right? That we'd make uh, disciples of all nations. We are to be discipling nations. That is the job of the church, is to disciple this nation and all nations. So anyways, I'm super excited. I hope you guys join. If you don't, you're missing out. It's going to be good. Um, and really quick, there are videos we're going to be watching, and they're unfortunately, they're not available. If you miss, if you're sick, if you're out of town, it's like when you go to a college course. You missed it. Like, you missed whatever the professor was given. Um, so it is what it is. I can't give you links to things later. Um, so I just encourage you, come on out. Um, it will be long, but it will be good. There'll be a workbook. Like I said, you get both digital and physical. So however, if you're older persuasion like me and I like my physical Bible, I like my physical book, they have that. If you're younger than me and you like everything digital, they'll have that available too. Um, so both. All right, enough of that. Um, question before you, before I get into this morning's message, I'll say it this way. Um, every good sermon has this. You're starting to think. Maybe I'll give you more specific. Every good sermon that comes from Pastor Ryan has this. All right, now you're getting a little more specific. And maybe you're being still a little too spiritual. Every good sermon from Pastor Ryan has a Princess Bride quote. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So before I give you the title of this morning's message, we're going to listen to a Princess Bride quote. So here it comes. That's it. <laughs> Who are you? Right? That's the title of this morning's message. Who are you? In fact, can I get a little feedback? I'm going to say it with that accent, and then you can repeat after me. Who are you? Who are you? Good job. That was good. I'm going to do it one more time. Who are you? Good, good. You're staying awake. Good. So that's the question. Who are you? This morning's subject is about identity. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you really? Are you... I thought just right now as I said this, I thought of a, a line from a 10th Avenue North song from 20 years ago. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. Amen. Too often the enemy loves to be the accuser of their brethren and he reminds us of all the things that we failed in. And that's how we view our identity sometimes. We think, well, I can't do that or I'm not good at that. And he reminds us of things that really we are not. He loves to stir up the question. I think the enemy loves to stir up the question. Who, are, who do you think you are? You're no one of consequence. You're not significant. You can't change this. The enemy loves to tell us that. But I would love to say the Holy Spirit is asking you this morning, who do you think you are? Because there's things that God thinks about you that you have not fully grasped. There's things that you think about yourself that God never thinks about you. 
I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. You can't afford to think a thought about yourself that God doesn't think about you. Too many of us, and I'm pointing here, too many of us think about ourselves a way that God has never once ever thought about us. The Lord wants to do some transforming this morning. This is not just a cute little message to encourage you that you leave here feeling a little bit better about yourself. This is not a motivational speaker. I'm not a motivational speaker, although I do think that's part of who I am. Um, really quick, I've shared this. I don't know how recently I've shared it, but several years ago, the Lord told me that one of my names in heaven, in the heavenly places, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. One of the names he calls me in the heavenly realm is that's my champion of hope. Ryan, he's champion of hope. So I know that's part of my identity. That's how God thinks about me. When he sees Ryan, he's like, oh, people need hope over there? Let me send my champion of hope. And he's going to bring hope into that situation. So when I know that's who God says I am, then that's, my, that's part of my calling. That's part of my gifting. That's part of what I am supposed to do. In a situation that looks bleak, well, I love what it says about Abraham. Against all hope, he hoped. When there was no reason logically to hope and everyone else in the planet would not have any hope, Abraham said, yeah, but I got hope. So I'm saying that same part of Abraham's DNA, that lives in me. I will hope at all times. I will, again, my definition of hope, a joyful expectation of good. It's just rooted in me. It's part of who I am in my identity. I will always People think it's the glass half full that I'm just being optimistic. That's not scriptural. That's just kind of how we talk about it. No, I will take that. If you want to say Ryan's always too optimistic, I will wear that, ba I'll wear that name with badge or that badge with honor, right? Uh, sure, call me optimistic, but that's not how I label myself. I'm just a champion of hope. You hear me say this, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet because there's always hope. Scripture keeps saying it, that he works together all things, not most things, not things that, that I did right on my own. Actually, he says he can use even what the enemy meant for evil, not even what I messed up. Where the enemy was actually trying to do the horrible thing, he uses that for good. Amen. Scripture talks about, we even sing it in one of the songs, right? The darkest day in history. The enemy really thought he was winning, crucifying the Son of God, separating the Father and the Son. There was sin that separated Jesus took your sin and was separated from the Father. The devil thought it was the greatest day in history. Ah, it was his greatest defeat ever. Because he, Jesus not only took your sin, he took the sins of the world. And it says when he came and sat at the right hand of Christ, he actually says, I'm bringing all the sons of glory with me. So it wasn't just Jesus resurrecting from the dead. It says that we resurrected with him, that we are resurrected, that we sit at the right hand of the Father, just like Jesus, that we are co-inheritors with Christ, that all of the righteousness that Jesus earned, we just get freely. Okay, this is an important line that I think some of us need to take home. Someone needs to write, someone needs to write this down. Your identity is not earned, it's learned. Your identity is not earned, it's learned. Meaning your identity already exists in heaven. You cannot do anything to earn that status. But you can learn who you are. You can be right now in this moment, not understand who you really are. 
and you can't earn it. You can't do something to actually attain that status. It's already there. You just have to learn to receive it. As you heard Pastor Nick say, we believe and receive it. I don't feel, sometimes I don't feel like I'm a champion of hope. Sometimes I don't think those thoughts, but the reality is that is who I am. And so I say those things as though they were, even though I'm not currently there. My mind and my thoughts, my emotions currently are there, but it doesn't matter what my emotions and thoughts are. I am who he says I am. Too many of you, your identity is wrapped up in what other people have labeled you. Some of you, you still are carrying a label that a person of authority in your childhood said over you, and you still struggle to this day with that label on your life. And God is saying, today is the day that you remove any identity that is not from him and you receive the identity that he has for you. <laughs> all right, so really quick. Didn't know I was going to share this or where, when, all those things. But this morning during prayer, I'll say it this way. Sandy, who I say she carries an identity as a prophet. I say that I can prophesy. Scripture says we can all prophesy. So we all have the gift of, of speaking prophetic words. But I'll say, I've said it before, Pastor Jake, who's our youth pastor, he also has an office that he's growing in as a prophet. Same with Sandy. I'll say that Sandy is still growing in it. It's not like once you have an identity, you've reached the fullness of that. I'm saying this morning, there are some of you that you're the oldest person in the room or maybe you're the most spiritual person in the room. You still have room to grow in your identity. So this scripture is not for those weak ones or young ones. It's for everyone in the room. God wants to give you an upgrade in your identity. It's a good way of saying it. He wants to upgrade the way you think about yourself. And I'm going to get to what she just said this morning, but hold on, because I feel like I got to say this first. I wholeheartedly agree that Scripture makes it clear the very basis of Christianity is knowing God. My favorite scripture, the back of the, the foyer, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge, I've preached it several times. The Hebrew word, yada, means to know, personally encounter, like Adam knew Eve. He didn't have information about Eve. He did something a little more intimate and then bore a son, bore children, right? In all my ways, I am to have relationship with God and to get to know him. My whole life is centered on, I just want to know Christ. Paul says, I just want to know Christ and him crucified. I just want other people to know who Christ is. It's all about getting to know who God is. And if I don't preach Christ, man, I should be accursed. I'm preaching this morning Jesus Christ to you. But there's something about it. I'm not adding to scripture. I'm, I want to unpack or reveal some more truth to you. That yes, it's all about knowing who God is. But there's something about when you are known, when you know who God, how God talks about you, it makes life exhilarating. There's been seasons in my life where I just, I'll say seasons, I'll say moments in a day where I just want to serve God. I just want to please him. I just want to make him known. I just want to, whatever makes you happy. And that's the right position of my heart. But there's times where God says, all right, Ryan, I enjoyed your worship. I enjoy you submitting to me. I enjoy you worshiping me. I enjoy you fixing your eyes on me. That's all good. But right now in this specific moment, I want you to know what I say about you because it's relationship. 
If all you ever do is talk and tell me all good things about myself and never listen to me, it's not actually relationship. If I just had kids, biological kids in my household, that all day long they just told dad how good, dad, you're such a good dad. You're such a good dad. And they just dote on me all day long, but they never heard me tell them that I'm proud of them. There's something dysfunctional with that relationship. Nobody would question that. If you came into my household and all you heard is my kids in fear and trembling, yes, father, yes, dad, and all they did was just do anything to please me and make me happy, but they never, you never saw me do anything to make them happy? That's dysfunctional. And God is saying this morning, some of your identity is dysfunctional. You're too religious. You just want it to be all glory to God, all glory to God. Yes, that's a true statement, but actually he wants to honor you. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He actually finds joy in giving you things. So this morning, I've been praying that nobody interprets this or the enemy twists something, that this is all about, like I said, a motivational speech, and it's all about puffing people up, making them feel better. That has nothing to do. The word of truth sets us free. And I want the word of truth to come forth. We sang songs. I still haven't got to what Sandy said. I'll get there eventually. I'll say it this way. Who here believes you're created by God? Who here believes you're a child of God? And actually, you're saying it in this very sanctuary, right? I am a child of God. We believe those things. But I think for too many of us, myself included, we believe it on a surface level. And the Holy Spirit, it says, deep cries out unto deep. He's saying, I want to speak to the deep parts of you. Where just in your brain, you somewhat understand that God loves you. But that love of God needs to go from here to here. That information, Scripture says it this way, knowledge puffs up. If all you do this morning is get more information about how much God loves you and it's just an informational level, yeah, you're going to leave here puffed up and it was not a very good message. But if you grow in relationship with God, that knowledge will not puff up. I'll explain it maybe better this way. I've offended multiple people by saying I'm God's favorite. If all I ever heard was God tell me in my head that I'm his favorite and there wasn't any relational equity to go with that information, I would have a big head. Because I would start thinking, I'm God's favorite and you're not. And I would treat you less than. But where the Holy Spirit spoke that, that to me, that I'm his favorite, was in intimacy with him, in relationship, where I was just praising him and enjoying the fellowship of my king. And I just wanted to please him, and I was so submitted to him, and he loved on me. I was trying to love on him, and I just opened myself up to receive the love of God, and he spoke to me, Ryan, you're my favorite. I had the relational equity to receive that truth. I'm praying this morning that some of you have some relational equity that increases this morning. That it's not just information. That you're royalty. You're this. I can declare a whole bunch of things, but unless it goes from here to here, it means nothing and it could actually puff you up and cause pride and arrogance. I don't want that. I want us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind.
segue that into what Sandy said this morning during prayer. God gave her a vision as we were just praying of this big kettle of popcorn, that there were those kernels of corn, right, the bottom of the, of the, of the kettle, and they all began to pop and they burst forth into the lid, that was a big, big, huge kettle, and the lid flew off and all the popcorn kernels were coming up out of the kettle. You could say, okay, that's strange, that's a weird thing. Let me just point it back to scripture. If you never read scripture and thought it was weird, then you didn't read scripture. There's some strange things that God does in here. And if you read the Gospels, Jesus often talks in parables, things we can relate to. So I view this as a prophetic word from God. Did I read anywhere in Scripture about popcorn? No, but it connects to Scripture. The idea is, how does a kernel pop? It's got to soak in oil. If anyone knows Scripture, oil often represents the Holy Spirit. And you heard my wife say, and things got to get hot, uncomfortable. The heat needs to be turned up. And eventually that hard-hearted kernel pops and becomes soft and enjoyable. God wants to transform us this morning. And this isn't for that person over there. I'm saying it's for every single one of us. There's areas of our lives where we've been hard to receive the love of God, the truth of God, the identity he speaks over us. And he's saying today is the day you receive the truth of God and you blossom into the identity you really are. All right. So I said, most of you raised your hand that you believe you're created by God. We've heard that before in Genesis, right? That God created Man, male and female, he created. That's a good one to stand on too, right? Male and female, there's only two options. Male and female. He created you in his image. I mean, that's, that's a whole other, I won't go down there, but just a second. Identity? The enemy loves to twist your identity. And it's not just those people out there that are questioning whether they're male or female. It's crept into the church. We question who we really are. We blame people, oh, they don't even know if they're male and female. Yeah, you don't even know who you are in the body of Christ either. So stop pointing the finger. Get the log out of your own eye. The church needs to know who we really are. You were created in his image. Some of you, you just need to hear that truth. It's, it's kind of the core foundational Sunday school truth. But Jesus said this in Genesis, right? He says that in the beginning, God created. That's a probably the most powerful statement in the Bible. You're not God, but there is a God outside of space and time that created everything that exists. And after he created, spoke, said, let there be light, and there was light, he spoke things into existence. But on the sixth day, after he created, it was good. It was good. It was good. On the sixth day, it said that he created man, and he said it was very good. And he didn't just speak it into existence. He formed from the dust of the earth, and he breathed his breath of life. He breathed his spirit into mankind. Uh, scripture, Jesus even said in the Gospels, God takes delight in his creation, all of creation. Jesus says that not a sparrow falls to the ground without the Lord knowing it, without the Father knowing it. He is aware of what's going on in creation and he finds joy as we see that new telescope going out in outer space, taking new pictures of further galaxies. I mean, I find joy in, in seeing what God created. But there is nothing that God finds more pleasure in than you. Scripture says you are the apple of his eye. Scripture says that before he laid the foundations of the earth, he knew you. He had plans for you. 
He was thinking about you. Not just from the Genesis 1-1, from the beginning of creation. It says he's loved you with an everlasting love, which means it didn't start in Genesis, didn't start the day you were born. It started from, I don't understand my brain can't, there was no beginning before God created the beginning, so I don't know how that works, but somehow there was no beginning. And in that far off thing, everlasting, he loved you. And in space and time, humans have been since Adam and Eve, 6,000 years. God could have put you at any time in the timeline of history. And he said, you were born for such a time as this. And I have purposes and plans for you. I equipped you with an identity that is supposed to shape and change the world. But do you actually see it and actually believe it? Do you know who you are? Scripture says that for a lack of vision, the people perish. I've been stressed out that I'm, as a pastor, I have to have vision for our church. I'll say, you know what? I think many of us, we don't have a purpose in life and you are just going through life. You're waking up in the morning, you go to work just to earn a paycheck just so you can pay your bills and do the whole thing again, the rat race. And God is saying, you are not born for another day, another dollar. You were born with a purpose, with a specific design for his kingdom. Not just to make money, not just to exist, You were born to shape history. Esther, that phrase, you were born for such a time as this. Esther changed the course of history. It's not just for people up front. That word is for every single one in this room. So I was talking about you're created. Some of you might know this verse too. Ephesians 2.10, I think I have it. That you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. You're his workmanship or his masterpiece, his crowning jewel of creation, right? He created all these things and he didn't create anything after Adam and Eve, right? That's the last thing it says he created, but it's actually pretty cool that God says he never stopped creating. Wait, did he stop? Were his last part of his creation or he's still creating? Yes, it's that confusing thing because it says he who started a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. So even though he created you before, you were in his mind's eye and he knew how he's going to fashion you billions of years ago. At this point right now in this service, God is shaping and changing you. If you'll yield to him, receive him, he is finishing the good work that he started eons ago. He's faithful. And I love this. It says that, That if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things, all old things, they're gone. They're in the past. Behold, I make all things new. And in that same analogy of those popcorn kernels, it's changed. It used to be a hard, when I look at a a jar of um, kernels, right, corn seed, they all look the same. But when they pop, they have different shapes. And they all pop at different temperatures, different heat. They all, they're all unique and different. And I love that word that you are a new creation. It's that same, getting into the Greek words, metamorphosis. You are something that has never existed before, is what it's saying. When you became, when you got born again, when you became a Christian for the first time, you became a new creation that has never existed before. And there's some of us in this room that for decades, we've been that new creation, 
but we haven't fathomed or grasped or taken a hold of the things that we really are. And this morning, God wants to give you, like I said, an upgrade in your identity. So Ephesians 2.10 says that. I'm gonna give you some more scripture. I'll turn there. Ephesians chapter one. In verse 16, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, I don't stop giving thanks for you and making mention of you in my prayers. And in verse 17, so this is where I wanna get to, verse 17. Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. Paul says this, I'm praying for you guys. And this is what I'm praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. We'll stop there. 17, 18, and 19. I read those verses, and I thought of three things. To know who you, you are, to better know your identity. In verse 17, I believe there's something that highlighted to me, your perspective needs to change. In verse 18, your purpose needs to be straightened out and clarified. In verse 19, you need to receive power. Your identity is to bring you power. Perspective, purpose, and power. Some of your perspectives need to change. You think it's humility to think less of yourself. And God is actually saying, no, you're the head, not the tail. Actually, you have authority. And you think you're doing the right thing to go low. And it is, I get it, in the kingdom of God, you go low to serve. I've said this before, but I just feel like it's, it's part of the culture that God is creating in here. I feel like this word is both personal and corporate. God is creating an identity here at Osmeaver Church. We will always have the legacy and always have the things that, man, the prayers of the saints have gone before us. There's a great cloud of witness. I'm so thankful for those things. But there's things that we've never fully stepped into that God is saying, this is the season, this is the time for Osborne to grab a hold of all the different identities he calls Osborne Hebrew Church. So our perspective needs to change. Yes, we need to go low to serve one another. But I, one of the first sermons I ever preached as a pastor is here, a pastor here is I talked about how Jesus was the most humble man to ever walk this earth. But he also was the most powerful man to ever walk this earth. And it's not okay for me to walk in one only. I don't want to grow in humility without growing in power and authority. It's not okay. Somehow the enemy has manipulated the church to think it's our job just to, just to humble ourselves. Yes, that's true, right? That is a true statement. We should humble ourselves. But if you fall off on the horse on either side, he doesn't care. Some of the church thinks it's all about power and authority. We just tell people what to do. And I heard a new phrase. I didn't even understand all of it. Dominionism and that the church is going to take over the whole world. I don't want to fall off on the side of the horse where I think I'm better than anybody else in the world. No, I I want the same mindset as Christ. He came to serve, not to be served. He knew who he was. He knew he had all authority in heaven and earth, and he didn't cling to his rights. But look at Jesus' life. Did he have power and authority? Did he cast out demons? Did he raise the dead? Did he heal the sick? Did he bring many sons to glory? He did a lot of powerful things, even though he didn't cling to his rights. So I'm not saying we have to cling to our rights. No, I'm saying I'm here to serve, but in my serving, I want to have authority. I want to serve with a heart that knows I'm actually royalty. 
I'm serving with the heart of a king. But when I have authority as the pastor and I'm ruling and making decisions for y'all, it's with the heart of a servant. I can rule with the heart of a servant and I can serve with the heart of a king. It's not that I serve and I think I'm nobody when I'm serving. And it's not that I have all this authority and I think I'm better than everybody when I'm serving authority. No. It's finding how to do this well. And it all comes from identity. When I know who I am, when I'm rightly aligned with God, I'm not struggling with those things. I talked about last Sunday. When I'm at home and I'm the dad of the house, I don't wield my authority and discipline my kids because I don't like them. I take that authority and say, no, this is my house. These are my rules. This is how it's going to be. Yeah, but other, other dads don't do that. I say, I don't care. This is my house. I don't care what other dads do. I don't care what other kids do. It's my house. That's not with cocky arrogance. That's because I love my kids and I want what's best for them and I know what's better for them and they know what's better for them. I have more wisdom and authority than them and so I'm gonna wield that with a desire to serve them. There's some of you that aren't walking in your identity. Some of you are still under shame and guilt and God is saying, I don't want you to have any of it. I never put guilt on you. He wants to transform our perspective. Scripture says that his ways are above our ways. Isaiah 55. The Lord declares this. My ways and my thoughts are higher than yours. Just as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways higher than yours, declares the Lord. But then in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. Who can know the mind of the Lord? Who can tell God what to do? But we have the mind of Christ. Meaning it's possible to actually know the thoughts of God. You can know the thoughts he thinks towards you. Thoughts not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. These are the thoughts he thinks towards you, declares the Lord. And he says, I actually want you to know the thoughts I think towards you. You can actually have my perspective. You can be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Too many of us, we have a problem in our life and it seems so big. It's right in front of us. We're just staring at this problem and it's hard to see the forest amongst all the trees, right? But God is saying, come up here with me. Stop looking at the problem Come up here with me. Do you see how I see you? Do you see how I see that problem? You think it's so big and so difficult. I see it as so small. And I see you as this. I see you as more than a conqueror. I see you as not only waiting and submitting me to work all these things together for good. Oh man, someone needs to grab a hold of this. If God can work together all things for good, and I am yoked with Christ, and I'm co-inheritors with him. Do I have in my own identity, the way God sees me, does he see that I'm actually capable of working all things together for good? He sees me, Ryan, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Ryan, you have the ability to overcome this. This problem is not, you're giving it way too much credit. If you saw, if you had the perspective to see yourself the way I see you, 
oh my goodness, you would actually work this to actually grow character and grow things that you can't even see. They're so much bigger. He wants to give you his perspective. That verse 17, that the, he's, Paul is praying, I am praying for us that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father in heaven, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That it wouldn't just be information, that there would be revelatory wisdom to understand, to discern the times, to know what God is doing. That we're not tossed to and fro, that we're not subject to all the situations at hand. Actually, we stand, as I said earlier during worship, we are standing on the solid rock of Jesus. And it does not matter what the world is doing. We have the right perspective. And I know who I am. I know what God says I am. I know what God is doing. I can stand alone on the word of God and I have a healthy perspective. So it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around me. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world inside of me, all my emotions and fears and thoughts, I can take captive every thought. I'm not subject to my emotions. That I have the spirit of God in me. That yes, I have a physical body. Yes, I have a soul that has a, a will and emotions and desires, but I also have a spirit. And my spirit man can rule over my soul. My spirit man can rule over this flesh. But it's when I know who I am, when I have the right perspective. And then in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. There's a calling on your life. You don't have to raise your hand. Do you know your purpose? Do you know your calling? Back to the very first Princess Bride quote, who are you? Why are you here? Not just on the planet. Why are you here at Osmere Church? God has a calling on your life to be equipped for ministry. Why are you here today, whether Osborne's your home or not? Why are you why are you listening online today? Is it just happenstance? Or does God actually have a purpose and He is speaking to you today? And He wants to you to leave this place different than the way you came in. There's a purpose. There's a hope in the calling that God has in your life. Are you confident of your calling? I mean, I'm just getting, I want to get more practical. I can say, well, yeah, I'm a pastor. God has been refining even that calling in my life. What does that mean to be a pastor? Well, I thought I did. But there's a whole lot of other aspects I didn't understand that God is revealing to me. And he's revealing that calling to me. And now, third, that verse nine, there's power. When I actually receive that identity, I can walk in it with confidence and power because it's not what I think I'm capable of. It's what God says. And in my weakness, his strength is perfected. So he didn't pick me because I'm qualified and because I'm strong in that area. No, he said, who's the weakest vessel I can find? Oh, you're weak? Okay, I'll pick you. So actually, I might've been the weakest person in this church but God said, all right, I'll, I'll perfect, I'll make it so obvious that it's my glory on Ryan because Ryan is not smart enough to do that. Ryan is not gifted enough. Ryan's an introvert. He doesn't like being in front of people. Ryan's not, yes, let's pick the weak person so that the weak person can say, let the weak say, I am strong. 
Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the barren say, I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. That with God, all things are possible. See, there's power when you actually receive your identity. And I'm believing that there's someone in this room, you're going to leave with great power and authority. That whatever you are facing in your life right now, there's a specific situation. God is saying, today, I'm going to reveal to you how you are to face this situation. Not just asking for more strength to endure. No, but with understanding of who you really are. So it's not just saying, God, help. It's saying, God, I know who I am, and I'm going to walk in boldness in this area. All right, really quick. I talked about the enemy wanting us to question our identity. And I was thinking about just now, Jesus. Another Sunday school story. When Jesus was tempted, right, after he was baptized, came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on the dove, it says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted. And after 40 days of fasting, eating no food, it says he became very hungry. And Satan came to him. And what was the first temptation? To turn the stones into bread, right? But really, it was a sleight of hand, like a magician, saying, look at these stones. Aren't you hungry? You could feed yourself. But really, what was Satan doing? If you read the story, he says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Look at the bread. You're hungry. Don't you think God would want to feed you? You just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can perform miracles. You can do this. You finished your 40 days. You're allowed to turn stones into bread. God's a good father. He doesn't want you to be hungry anymore. Just feed yourself. It's the sleight of hand. Because he's trying to have Jesus question if you're the son of God. And if you go back to what's actually recorded in Scripture, maybe there's other things going on. What was the last thing that proceeded from the mouth, the mouth of God the Father? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus said, how did he re rebuke the devil? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I know who I am. How did the Jesus overcome temptation? By his identity. We think he just was quoting scripture. Actually, the greater revelation is... Jesus knew who he was, and there was no doubts in his mind. The devil could not stir up doubts. And if you think that's just a one-time thing, look throughout Scripture, the very first temptation of mankind. Did God really say? Again, a sleight of hand. You should look at this really a pleasing fruit. You should eat it. It's actually good. But the beginning thing, did God really say? It's questioning whether God really loves you, if God is really good. I'll be bold. Some of you in this room, you've questioned the goodness of God. You've allowed the enemy to question whether God really loves you as much as he loves Pastor Ryan. If you don't hear it alarming right now, that is the devil. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. Again, identity isn't earned, it's learned. All right, I have one more thing I gotta say because there's something about this temptation and I wanna get it right. I wrote it down. I don't wanna mess it up. 
Here it is. Evil things only become appealing to a person who has forgotten who they are. I'm going to say that again. Evil things only become appealing to a person who has forgotten who they are. Some of you are struggling with temptations and sin in your life and it has nothing to do with coming to church to get prayed over so that you have more strength. That temptation is only appealing to you because you've forgotten who you really are. I'm going to get really specific. I've been on Sepulveda Boulevard late at night where there's women who are offering their bodies. And I drove down and there was not one thing that was appealing to me. That My heart was broken. Am I saying I'm immune to any temptation? No. I'm saying that I know who I am and I'm so satisfied with the life God has given me with a, a healthy wife. Why would I ever want that? So any area of my life that I'm struggling with temptation, it's rooted in a problem with my identity. I'm not trusting God is good enough. If I find pleasure in other things, it's because I don't think God is good enough to give me that kind of pleasure. If this other thing just helps me relax and brings peace to my life, can I just say it's an idol? God alone is the true joy giver. He alone can give me peace that surpasses all understanding. He alone can give me pleasure that this world has nothing to touch. It's not those hymns, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth grow strangely dim. 100% true. But I'm saying today there's something about if you knew your identity, not just how good God is, but if you knew who you really were, you would never want to be somebody else. You would never want what somebody else has. All these other temptations and sins, they will just fall to the wayside because I know who I am. Like Jesus, it doesn't matter if it's food, if it's an exalted place, if it's getting the kingdoms of the earth. Those don't tempt me. I know who I am. And I have all that I need. I lack, as David said, I lack no good thing. Surely goodness and mercy, they just follow me all the days of my life. I can be in the valley of the shadow of death. I can have the enemy surround me and I am surrounded by the presence of God and he prepares a table before me in the very presence of my enemies and I'm enjoying life. Amen. I can say I have the best life possible with the enemy attacking me from every side. I'm like, oh man, life is good Amen. because I know who I am and I know whose I am. Yeah. I belong to him. And I've been bought with a price and nothing can separate me from his love. Amen. I'm just so confident in who I am. Oh, life becomes good. It's not trying harder to earn God's favor. Your identity is not earned. Stop trying to earn your identity. Just believe and receive it as Pastor Nick said. You sang those lines. Let it go from here to here this morning. As the worship team comes up to close, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Oh, man, I, I know this message is for everybody in the room. Everybody in the room. But I'm going to just say it's available. I'm going to do what I can to make it happen in your life, but it's just available. You have to do something. That analogy of the popcorn kernels, 
that seed, that kernel, Jesus says the seed is the word of God. The word of God just went forth this morning. What kind of soil is it going to find? You determine the soil. You determine whether that seed finds good ground, whether that seed is going to have the Holy Spirit come and you're going to saturate and say, yes, that's, that word of truth is for me and I want the Holy Spirit to saturate that in my life and I'm willing for the Lord to bring the fire and stir up the I'll be a priest. I'm going to stir up this word. I'm not going to let it lie dormant. God, you are speaking to me this morning, so I take responsibility for the word. And I want to be transformed. I want to leave here, not a hard kernel, but a light, fluffy, seasoned, aroma, aromatic popcorn. If you want a fresh perspective to see yourself the way God sees you, will you just raise your hand? All right. If you want God to give you a greater clarity of your purpose in this season of life, would you raise your hand? And if you want power to do what you could never do in your own strength, You want the exceeding great power of God that we read. You want it to come into your life and come out of your life. Would you raise your hand? All right, I'm gonna ask one more question. Most people in this room raise their hand. If today needs to be your day of salvation, you need to be born again. You need to know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. Maybe you've never made that decision or maybe you need to receive it again. You need to get your life right with God. You need to have the word of truth come and wash and bathe you so that you're not listening to the lies of the enemy anymore. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I'm gonna ask you to be bold. Everyone else raise their hand once. Would you raise your hand again? You wanna give your life to Christ? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray? And I'm believing this this service is going to end a little different. I know we always do a time of one last song and prayer. But here's what I see. I see us all singing. I see some of you popping in the pew you're in right now. But I see some of you not being able to pop in that pew. Your moment of popping is up here. Some of you need a prophetic word. I told you I heard from God that he calls me a champion of hope. Some of you need a fresh prophetic word over your life. You need to know what God says about you. We'll have some leaders up here that just want to pray over you. So I'm going to say a simple prayer. Would you just put your hands in front of you in a posture of receiving? God, I believe the word of truth was for me today. And I simply receive it. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And I submit to the word of truth. I am who you say I am. I believe it, God. I'm a child of God. I'm a priest. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm more than a conqueror. God, I am fully known and loved. I am my beloved and he is mine. I am forgiven. Oh, I
So just begin to worship the Lord and tell the Lord what you need. And if you want, come forward, we'll pray over you. Begin to sing the song.